Welcome to Engaging and Empowering School Libraries, a podcast that aims to raise the profile of school libraries by talking about topics that are current across education and teaching. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the role that senior leaders play in not only creating a good school library, but helping ensure that it is used across the curriculum too. As always, I'm uh, joined by my, by my co-host, Sabrina Cox, and we are delighted to welcome back Peter Middleton, headmaster of Oswestry School, alongside his school librarian, Claire Livesey. They will be joined by school librarian, Ruth Maloney, who some of you may recognise as my other co-host, but is wearing a different hat this evening, alongside her deputy head, Joe Jardine Viner. Um, thank you for joining me. I knew I was going to have trouble with names, so you have to forgive me. Anyway, can we start with, um, with Peter? Could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your own school library and how it came about? Sure. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you for inviting us on, Elizabeth. It's, uh, it, was, it was a pleasure to join your podcast. Um, so yeah, my name is Peter Milton. I'm headmaster here at uh, Oswald Street School. Um, my background is as an English teacher, um, so uh, naturally I have a bit of an interest in, in books, uh, I'd like, like to hope English teachers do. Um, and I started here as headmaster about 18 months ago, January uh, 2022. Um, the room we're in now, which is now the, the library at Oxford School, uh, was an empty shell uh, of a room. Um, ironically enough, it was actually in this room that I delivered my final presentation to the full board uh, on my interview day. Um, so uh, I think perhaps subconsciously I was trying to erase the, the sort of deep wounds by, by <laughs> recasting it in a different different light. Um, but um, I uh, was a little bit uh, surprised when I realised through that process, when nobody had shown me where the school library was, uh, and when I asked uh, uh, if, if someone could tell me where it was, uh, there was a little bit of uh, hesitation uh, uh, before it was revealed to me that there wasn't a school library, uh, which I was very surprised by, um, particularly of a school of this age. Um, it's uh, 616 years old. Um, so uh, I, I was expecting uh, a good library uh, in the space. Uh, as it happens, that um, was an amazing opportunity. Uh, for me to um, establish the library as, as an immediate priority uh, in my first year in post, uh, but also to have a, a sort of blank canvas, really, um, in terms of um, uh, reimagining what a library could be like, should be like in the 21st um, century. Uh, and within, within a year, we, we were sort of sat, stood uh, in this space, which you can see a tiny snippet of, but uh, I can assure you it is a really exciting space and has more than tables and chairs uh, and weird roaming uh, cameras that uh, provide excitement. Like I say, I think we have seen a few pictures on social media, so so you know I'll probably share them as, along with the recording. Um, thanks for that, uh, Peter. Um, Joe, can I bring you in? You can you tell me a little bit about your school library and and its journey? Um, hi, yeah, I'm uh, Joe, Joe Jolly Vine, I'm Deputy Head at Tunbridge Grammar School. Um, and I think that the library was occupying a fantastic space in the heart of the, in the, heart of the school. Um, 
we had a significant rebuild i think it was 2009 when we moved in and the the library was was probably the the the, the saddest place uh in in the school i'm sure ruth uh will will, will nod along uh with with me um and i think what made it really quite sad um was that we're a high performing school we've got students who essentially when we looked at developing the library we were pushing at an open door and it's just that some for some reason over the years the the, the library had had lost its way um, so taking on the, the library as a project it was something that um, I think as a school community uh, we we wanted and it really it was just about setting things up setting the wheels in motion um, to to transform it to, to the place where we are today. So we've gone through different stages and I think initially the, the first phase was establishing that we needed a library as a as a high performing uh, as a high performing school. Um, and, and I think a lot of that was hearts and minds in terms of it was something that our school community could identify with and and support as well financially um, through through donation. Um, and it was something that, it just called out to you know, across the ages, if you like, in terms of our former students, our parents, our, our alumni, our, our friends of the school. And it was something and, that they wanted to get behind. And, and it was thanks to you know, thanks to the, the, some fundraising and also the support of the PTA that actually were able to embark on, on the first of, I think, many different phases. And I'm not sure we're, we're, we're fully um, at, it, at its final where it needs to be. But it was a real journey and I think one of the, the, the phases that, that we went through a series of different reincarnations from something that was not just a, a, a spare room um, for, for elderly books. Um, it was uh, through you know, sorting out our stock and then I think probably the, the thing that I'm really going to champion is actually um, finding Ruth and, and for any school to find a professional librarian who just took the amateur ideas that I had as a, as a, as a school leader, as an enthusiast, um, and actually just transformed it. And it's just gone from strength to strength beyond that initial scope of the, of the project. So it's, it's been a really enjoyable and, and exciting ride. And I think the whole school community now where the library is, is something that they feel proud of. And I think to just to put it into perspective is that we don't have staff um, guarding the doors. We, we took away the um, electronic, um, I don't even know what they're called, the, the barriers, you know, where the, the books go off. Um, I mean, they didn't work anyway, so it was a bit of a, <laughs> bit of a moot point. Um, but it has become this self-regulating um, ecosystem where the students feel part of that and, and, um, and, and just look after it, which I think is, we think it's fantastic. And I think that's all about setting out the, the, the aims, the ethos and the environment. And uh, yeah, I just, you know, big, big thanks to, to Ruth, who's, who's taken it from seed capital into, into where it is today. So it's really <clears> interesting, <throat> actually, from the sounds of things, both you and Peter <clears throat> are in the same position and you employed school librarians at the moment that you wanted to start adapting so can I bring Ruth in at this point when you arrived in the school what was what was your impression of what the library was like um I'd had a heads up about what the library was like because I had been to visit the school on an open evening tour with my daughter 
before the job was even on the horizon. So I was aware that, as I think I described it interview, the library was asleep. Um, it was, I mean, Joe's right, it's a beautiful physical space central as you come down the driveway you know central in the building but um yeah it it definitely felt neglected and and it was surprising in a school like that you know it locally the school has an excellent reputation it's a school that people fight to get their children into um and so when the job came up I remember thinking well that's a gift you know who wouldn't yeah. want to go and work in that school with that you know, with that approach, with that much work to do. I mean, you know, as a librarian, it's like, it's, you know, it, it, it's second only to starting from scratch. Um, so, and and having been through the interview process and feeling the atmosphere in the school, which was very eager, part of the interview process was with a panel of students. I have to say, I don't think there is a more rigorous interview process than the Tunbridge <laughs> Grammar School. I had two panel interviews, uh, one of which was a body of students. And, you know, that told me something about the school, that they valued the position of the librarian high enough to take students off timetable to sit and, and carry out the interview. Um, but to go into that environment and to know that the school was behind it um, was, you know, is a fantastic opportunity. And hugely important as well. Yeah. Yeah. Can I bring Claire in? Um, at what point did you get involved in, in your school library then? Right from the beginning. Um, so I was in the enviable um, position of seeing this position advertised with regards to setting up your very own school library from... Um, right at the starting point and seeing Peter's vision through, basically. Um, I have worked in uh, secondary education where I've ultimately gone in and revamped libraries where they've needed life uh, and love breathing into them. Uh, this one, I've had the beauty, as I say, the enviable uh, position that I've been able to create exactly what I think the children will need, basically, right from first formers, so year seven, up to the um, uh, six formers. So I have a whole captive audience. Um, we've done so much in the six months, haven't we? Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm quite lucky, and you know this is just a wonderful thing to do in my lifetime, basically. Absolutely, sounds fascinating. So, what would we say that the benefits of a cohesive senior leadership librarian partnership? Can I go to uh, Peter with that one? Yeah, I mean it's interesting hearing Joe talk about um, his experience, and I just really echoes my own experience here and um I, I know I'm kind of preaching to the converted here but um for me the, the key to all of this is is having a passionate librarian um that that is ultimately what is going to um ensure that your library um is loved is brought to life is magnetic um so it was always going to be a key relationship 
um, uh, and a key appointment for us to make um, a bit of a gamble in, in that we were we hadn't got a got a library to show. I mean, it was still still kind of being built when when we um, uh, went to interview. Yeah. Um, so I think it was always going to be really important for us that there was, um, uh, I suppose, uh, a meeting of minds, if you like, over what what our vision was and then how that could then become a reality. Um, and, it, and it really had to be the right person with the right energy, with the right dynamism, imagination. Um, uh, and we were very lucky to, to find someone like, like Claire um, who, who immediately grasped that vision. Um, I think it's been really important for us um, in terms of hitting the ground running that it, the, the library project um, was led from, from the top, if you like. So it had my endorsement. It was, it was um, uh, very much uh, a priority. Uh, and that, there's some messaging that goes with that, particularly when you're a new head, where any decision you make um, in, in some ways shapes the kind of head you are, perhaps, or the kind of school you want to be. So this was messaging the importance of libraries, um, particularly because the school had moved away from having a library as, as being seen as a thing of the past. Um, and, and I wanted it to be known that it's a thing of not just the present, it's a thing of the future. Um, so that, that relationship is... Um, has been a journey in itself, I suppose, and I have sort of had to hand over the baby and uh, into, the, into the capable arms uh, of Claire. Um, but I think it's been important that she's continued to have support from myself and other members of the senior team. I think it's visibility as well, isn't it? Um, I think if other staff members can see that, and also the children, you know, to have that, to have Peter in the space proactively, talking to the children, you know, whether it's, you know, one of the questions was uh, with regards to the after-school clubs, but not only at that point, when there's lessons going on, if we're bringing people into the library, then that reinforces the importance of, of what we're trying to do in making a reading school and the importance of, of reading for pleasure and the library space. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Joe, would you say would you say that it's a cohesive partnership? You you were obviously singing Ruth's praises, um, but does the does the does the relationship, the partnership, go beyond somebody to run your library? Yeah, I think I think it needs to, and I, and I think it's about facilitating that sense of ownership um, and uh, across the school. So. Um, just just um it's, it's interesting just to reflect on, on where where we've been as we're talking so thinking about the library where i think ruth when you came round, it was probably in the dark or half of it was in the dark because uh, um you know it was something like a little bit to be hidden um so changing the behaviors of the of the the, the children who you the students who use the space was was important and that's the sort of thing that you, you know ruth couldn't do or, or you know i couldn't do actually you need that buy-in from staff um, having it as a project, I think people were excited uh, about having it, and, and it's really interesting to hear about experiences as a library is the thing of the past, because certainly initially our, our feeling was in looking at, at non-fiction, and, and, and I think today, Ruth, we were talking about you know, the, the old book boxes in terms of doing a project about 
x y or z well we've got 180 students in each year group there's there's not enough you know books about x whatever it is um that the, the people are studying but it needed um our staff to to actually come into the library and see what was what what was being held in stock and and just actually taking stock of, of some of these these books and and i think it was getting them in on a on a training day um running inset sessions being part of that library seeing what actually the library catalogue held and also that realization that um it, it was something that was going to take some time for uh, subjects to feel comfortable about using or, or to, to, to relearn. It, it was almost, you know, taking two steps back. It wasn't even from scratch to relearn how we use that that space, um, you know, a, a, across the curriculum. But it Absolutely. was really important. Sorry, it was Sorry, really I was important. Sorry, I going to say, it, yeah, going to say it doesn't automatically, it doesn't come automatically to many teachers. They, they, you know, if their library hasn't been available, then obviously they have to work in different ways, don't they? But actually providing a library, it, it, it does that need that retraining. Um, you know, coming from a school librarian perspective myself in the position where, you know, the senior leadership team wasn't, they, they thought the library was important, but not not beyond that it it was like banging your head against a brick wall trying to get teachers to come in and just look at the stock that was available for their curriculum so so this cohesive relationship between the librarian and senior leadership is is hugely important it's it's one of the only ways that a school librarian can actually make make a difference Ruth can I bring you in yeah absolutely I think one of the things that's been really interesting for me is that when I first joined uh, I was my direct line manager was Joe and then after a time after I think probably the first year or maybe 18 months there was a shift um, over to our one of our assistant heads who's in charge of curriculum um, and that was a shift of well okay we've begun to sort out the book stock we've begun to you know the the physical space feels as though it's a bit under control now what we're thinking about is this what else what what else can the library do it's more than just these books on the shelves and that shift over to uh, somebody else with a different focus in the school was really important but I've always had line management directly into the SLT and for me that's really really important I don't I can't underplay the value of that not being line managed by head of English which I can see for most schools is the obvious thing and I work very closely with the English department and you know I do see that's a very important relationship but actually into the senior leadership of the school Claire is exactly right it's giving messages to everybody about where you see the value you know it it makes your librarian almost like a head of department I mean I have budgetary control I report into the senior leadership you know it's that it's on a level then in many ways and that's speaking volumes to the school I think absolutely absolutely Claire can I bring you back in is that me sorry yes. thank you um I'm finding I have to stretch my neck here. <laughs> um, I'm again in a super lucky position where Mr. Lane, who is deputy head, uh, is my line manager. 
So his office is just literally a stone's throw away from the actual library space. I have regular uh, Monday meetings with him um, that are imperative to, because as a librarian, more often than not, you need yes, no answers, basically, to be able to go in and say, this is my idea, what do you think about this? Um, I do have uh, twice, um, once every two weeks, uh, a meeting with Head of English, um, which is super important as well, because we can go in for book buzz and all of the other bits and bobs that you do. But ultimately, it's great to speak to Rob, because he is the person that will voice um, to SLT. But then I always feel like I can talk to you anyway, because it's your baby. Yeah. I just get WhatsApp. You do get back with WhatsApp, don't you? But because, because it's all very new, um, it needs that you need to have that connection and that you know you need to be able to not frightened of saying anything, whether it's a yes or a no. You need those answers, don't you? Basically, okay. and then Rob has just mentioned to me that I can have some airtime with uh, staff on our next inset day in September, which is really needed because I endeavour to produce. We've only been six months up and running, but I would like to at this point get an objectives, kind of um, what we've achieved so far, the journey, what's going to be happening, how we can get other departments across curricula. We've only just had the head of maths. So when, when we, uh, back in December, all the staff provided a book list, basically. Um, and I knew that it wasn't until I got in here and talked to students and especially um, the higher end of the school, the sixth formers, to know what would assist them with academic reading, what would assist them with studies, that I wasn't going to go out and blow the budget on books that I thought felt comfortable with, you know, you young adult literature that I consider myself to be quite up on, but other stuff and help guides. So I need to have those important conversations. So I think it's just being visible, making yourself accessible and just definitely having that backup to feel that your ideas are valid and support fully supported by SLT. It's just imperative to, to making everything work, basically. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, my next question was, what joint projects um, have you worked together on that you're most proud of? I'm going to go to Joe and Ruth first, because I think probably Peter and Claire are going to be talking about the fact that their project is their library. <laughs> They're so new. So let's ask Joe that question. So so projects that you've worked jointly on? Gosh. Um I think I think probably it it's the it it, it was the oh, there's quite it, it's it's I think it's a general sort out in essence the, the the early days in terms of you know getting things getting things going. Um I think there was quite a lot of uh fun just getting a professional company to come in and to catalogue our, our stock. Um, I think some of the books have been hoarded and a lot of the um, uh, the, the content was, was hopelessly out of date. And, and I think it was one of the things that probably uh, I learned as a personal book hoarder myself is that just because you've got a copy of something which is a classic or really important, actually 
you need to make that or present that to students in a way that they're going to find refreshing rather than the the fox dog-eared copy of i don't know um a title that they find noughts and crosses there we go that, that students find find interesting um actually it was quite cathartic it was quite scary um the the, the amount of books that this this company were basically just getting rid of um over the course of a couple of days but it was something that needed to to be done because i don't i can't remember and i've been at the school for a long time the last time that had been done but that was quite a cathartic clear out and it gave us a clear a clearer start i don't think it was completely finished start to to what um we need to do for the rest of the project um so that was that was good as it signaled that things were changing and that the library wouldn't be the same space that had been you know 10 15 20 years ago something new was happening and i think it was at that point getting the students involved uh, and i think Ruth's done a great job finding out what they are interested in and it's catering for for those students extending their their their, their reading experience and, and competence but really just you know refreshing and making the library something which is a place worth visiting and there is something new happening all all along um ruth i don't know if you uh it feels like a very long time mm. ago but we had no and we had no library management system and so in order to i mean it was just i remember going in and saying well there must be a catalog and somebody said oh yes but it's on a floppy disk or it's on a <laughs> something or other i remember thinking honestly that that's almost unbelievable i never saw the catalog um and so we were starting cataloging from scratch and so we did get a company in and they to literally go around and effectively stock take to scan all the books to take off anything off the shelf that didn't have an isbn and i remember thinking well i'm sure there'll be a lot but there were literally heaving tables full of books and thinking this is just where do we begin um and I, I had forgotten those days, really. And the, you're getting the staff in and saying, just have a look through the uh, 600s. That's your department. What do you think of those books? And, you know, put a post-it note in it if we really want to keep it. That feels like a lifetime ago. But I think you're right, Joe. I think that that really is. That was the sort of part of it. And the changes that we've made now, although they look more, they're more visibly uh, prominent I think are so much sitting on those foundations um, and I described the we refurbished last summer uh, repainted and redecorated and I described that as the physical manifestation of the revitalization of the bookstock and it did it started back then so I'm sure that's the you know the sort of core of it. I was going to say those kind of projects and feel so scary at the time it's happening. <laughs> you know, I can remember doing one. You know, we used to, as schools library service, we used to go in and do stock checks. And we used to have to say to people, you know, the middle of this um, scenario is going to feel dreadful. You're going to really wish you hadn't done this. But if you just grit your teeth and get to the end of it, you will actually see the benefit of what we're going to do. And you could just see that movement of, oh, my goodness, you know, the horror and and then the 
that refreshing okay we we've not got so many books on the shelves but actually the books that are there are worth looking at and actually I want to go in and rather than the the jam-packed full shelves of, of dirty old books you know it's like yeah. it is such a big big change but it's also a big responsibility you know joining into a school new and saying to everybody well, you may have had those books on the shelves and you may have thought that was all okay, but actually I think that, you know, maybe half of the books, a third of the books shouldn't be here. Yeah. Um, felt like a, a big responsibility. And it was, you know, then I really appreciated the SLT buy-in because I knew that I had that support. And so I could say, actually, this doesn't make any sense, you know, and, and I could have those discussions. Did you have any teachers say they wanted to keep something that really shouldn't be kept? And I know that I did. <laughs> Me, probably. <laughs> I've still got I Found a Dead Bird, which was Mr. No! Geraldine Viner's favourite book. It sits behind my desk every day. <laughs> I Found a Dead Bird. Um, I'm having a... I think I may have finally won the battle with the music department about the Groves Encyclopedia of Music. <laughs> which they were very insistent that we kept and sat taking up a whole shelf and nobody looked has looked at it since I got there um yeah there were one or two like that but I guess um, sometimes it's softly softly isn't it you, you well know. the question is do you want that in your office would you like that in your department <laughs> oh you've not got room for it well there we are there's your answer um yeah it, it's that has definitely come with time, you know, as they've learned to trust me and they've seen whether the library works or not, then it's been much easier to have those conversations. Absolutely. So so let's come back down to Peter and Claire. How's the positive senior leadership librarian relationship affected reading culture in your school? Has Have you seen more than more than I suppose the question is more than just is Claire doing a fantastic job which I'm sure she is is the relationship between senior management and the library making a difference on the reading culture Peter um I hope so um I think I think it's um a part of that story um in making it work um I, I think ultimately it, it needs to be driven and generated not just by your librarian. No, it has to be the team, the senior academic team, and your your faculty leads um, that are that are generating that that kind of culture. Um, I think the role for senior leaders often is, you know, as Claire's pointed out, some of the visibility. Um, I feel it's important that I am seen in. The library. Um, I sign off all my emails. I, I borrowed this from someone, uh, someone I know who does it in their signature line, just saying what they're reading. Um, so um, that can be interesting. Uh, you forget you've done that, and people say, "Oh yeah, it's interesting you read that book." Um, but just or, just, or just, they notice that you've had it on for six months or so. Yeah. <laughs> they're reading too quickly. It's like you're obviously not doing very much work. You read a novel. <laughs> <laughs> in a week. Um, but just little things like that, I think, can help. They're sort of deliberate, deliberate um, actions in terms of building that that reading culture. Um, as Claire's mentioned, we're we're really at the beginning of the journey of of the library being in existence. A big part of this journey has been from scratch, 
design, iteration, launch. We didn't have any books, so obviously kind of working out getting books. Um, Lots of donations though, where we've had to do a major call, haven't we? So yeah. we've had that. That's right, yeah. So, so I think we're sort of at the beginning of, of that journey. Um, what, what it's done, um, I suppose, that, that's useful when it's you're going from nothing is that it generates an excitement immediately. So we, we were able to build up a buzz amongst parents, amongst pupils, amongst staff, as we went through the process and involved them in the process. So that the moment you open your doors, suddenly it is a really exciting new space. People want to be in there. Um, and, and for me, one of the, the things that I love is that I know no matter what time of day I come in here, I will see people using this space in really different ways as well. Um, in really dynamic ways. Sometimes they'll be in studying and revising. Sometimes they'll be in here playing Dungeons and Dragons or there'll be a talk or a lecture. Um, so it, it's that vibrant, dynamic space that we wanted it um, to be. Um, that doesn't really answer your question. No, but it, that's fine. <laughs> Does, do you find that your teachers use the space as much as, like obviously you sound as if your students are really into using the space do you find that your teachers are rather than just encouraging this your students to use it are your teachers using it yet yeah i think and that's something we're keen to see more of and and again i think you can't just let that necessarily happen organically i think you've got to be quite deliberate in your actions for strategies i'll slink down my chair now. again you, you've got to be extremely <laughs> proactive as a librarian and what has what has happened has I've had chats with the head of maths um, and we got ch chatting and he said, Claire, I would all staff are time poor, aren't they? Basically. Um, and the freeze that they do get, I've encouraged and said, you know, you must get yourself into the library, even if it is just to come and have a chat with a child. It doesn't have to be about reading, it's what you've done at the weekend. But so they seem to be in the space, basically. But talking cross-curricular, which I'm really keen to do, we've had uh, a maths session in the library, which is a complete win. Uh, so Head of Maths has brought the second formers into the library. He's had an um, accessible list of maths titles on the shelves. Uh, he's pulled those off. We've had them on the tables. So they've had a few options to delve into a book, ask him questions about reading. So just a brilliant advocate for, for the library and he's a maths teacher. So it's just a win-win basically. So that's what I intend to do, certainly with history, with all departments really, because they they need to be in here. And I'm really keen because I don't want to feel at all isolated. And I, I know that the children would benefit. And those are the staff that you remember as a child, aren't they? The ones that you've had conversations with in the library. I think absolutely staff that you remember. Maybe. Yeah, I, I think you're right, and, and and that's a real win to get the maths department in first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've I've often gone to to teachers conferences, and the person that I end up sitting to next to is the maths teacher. Who then, you know, shutters go down as soon as he they hear that I'm a librarian. You know, so actually, yeah. that's a real win. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, let's let's move on to you've mentioned maths which is which is good because it leads us on to the next sort of question which is which is how do we see the library supporting literacy 
through other departments. So can I bring Ruth in? Currently, what are you um, doing as far as other departments are concerned? Um, we, we're an IB school, and so we are working using what the IB call approaches to learning. I can never remember. I think they're approaches to learning, Mr. Jardine Minor. Um, and they're, you know, the sort of a set of skills that the IB think that students uh, need to get through various stages. So um, I'm working on a mapping project at the moment, which looks cross curricular, cross our particularly MYP stage, which is years seven, eight and nine. Um, to see where those skills can be taught. So I have um, always, or as long as I, pretty much always, taught um, referencing skills and things like that with year seven, because, um, and we go against the grain and straight in with Harvard referencing, full Harvard referencing at year seven, no messing about, no half out, half measures for us. Um, and then, um, we're looking at keywording with history in year eight. So we've got various sort of projects that we drop in um, with a sort of a fossil slump. But you and I, Elizabeth, have had a conversation about, you know, I don't have the opportunity to run full projects like that with fossil. But so what I do is say, you know, this, this is how this skill fits into your investigation cycle. Um, and then working with the sixth form um, students who have to write an extended essay equivalent to an EPQ um, to pick up their subject matter, you know, to pick up their subject interest. And that really is cross-curricular. Often the students are working in two departments, um, you know, so they'll be writing about psychology and biology, um, or uh, I will just be supporting students across the school and therefore working with those teachers. Um, so the mapping project is a longer term project to work, uh, to see where our ATLs are being taught, how they're being taught, uh, where I can support that. Um, but the sort of concrete things are the uh, working towards the extended essay. Yeah. Can I, can I just echo this? Yeah, Joe, come in. Yeah. Can I just say there's there's nothing more delightful than uh, going into my year seven class uh, for you know twelve year olds and them asking whether whether they should be using Harvard referencing <laughs> just from the get go. It was just yeah, just just wonderful. Because <laughs> it's one of those things that you just if they learn they learn, don't they? It's it's mm. it becomes habit. It's something that that they just do. Um, yeah. So so no, it's good, isn't it? I saw Claire had a hand up. I was just going to ask, Ruth, are they uh, timetable sessions? So do you have access to the six formers for those roundtable sessions? Um, yeah, so the, the sixth form work, the, the extended essay works in a slightly different way. They're off timetable for four half days, effectively, uh, right. throughout the year, or throughout the yeah. period of time. So they we start it in October and they submit in... Easter time I think um, and so I have a timetabled session with them all right at the beginning of that process um, looking at how they might begin to structure how they might begin to think about their planning and their research and trying to hold them back from thinking of a question immediately you know that sort of right what's the question I'm going to answer go away do some reading so I spend a lot of time trying to do that with them 
Um, last year, I used one of those off timetable days to take a group of students to the London Library um, to do to work with them because that was really and that was very valuable. This year, I've just been asked to do an in, uh, a process for the offer holders day at the beginning of July, where we'll do some training, which I'm going to pull away from sort of, it's going to be general, general sort of, well, it's going to be AI based, I think, because they're offer holders, they're not, they're not our students yet. So there'll be an induction day in September for year 12, where I will try and look you know, I want to teach them how to use the library. I want to teach them how to begin to think about their research at that level, at sit form level. And then I will pick that up again for the extended essay. So I don't That's have regular prep for uni, isn't it? You know, yeah. Yeah. conversations that I've had with the sixth form and here, and they do access it for their free study periods, don't they? Um, and it's, you know, I've had the autonomy to run sessions how I want to run sessions. They're very independent at the moment because obviously we're only six months into it, but I definitely think that's the next step for us. We've had the EBQs in here and we've had the question and answers um, and it's been on this screen and they've been able to deliver to their, their peers. So that's worked really well. So, but I think, I do think that's one of our next steps. I'm keen to, to have that knowledge and, you know, so maybe we could perhaps get to Definitely. that. <laughs> <Please>. Absolutely. <laughs> We'll put you together, no problem. Thank you. <laughs> um, let's just turn it down a notch. We're talk I want to talk about extracurricular activities. Now, somebody mentioned Dungeons and Dragons before, and, and, and it's not something that I'm into, um, but there's knitting also on my question. So so as a senior leader, so let's go to Joe first. Um, are, you know, are there extracurricular activities in the library? And if so, are you involved in any of them? Gosh, um, uh, not Dungeons and Dragons, knitting <laughs> more my thing. Um, I think probably Ruth is going to be a better place to answer this. We have, we have had some really nice moments in the library. So we have a, an annual fan, foundation day, which is a celebration in the year of the life of, of the school. And we've got um, lots of different languages spoken within our school community. And one of the events was storytelling in in mother tongue, which was then translated oh, uh, into into English as well. And that was just a way of getting our our school community within the library and just being able to celebrate the diversity that exists within within the school. Um, whether there's some secret uh, book club, Ruth, or other Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons club, I don't know about. Um, it sounds it sound great. There's a secret knitting club we just haven't told you about. Um, <laughs> We we actually don't run our extracurriculars in the library because the space is so busy that the prospect of having the book club in there or the, you know, anything else, the chess in there is as an organised activity would be impossible. We don't have the physical, we, we're not able to divide the space um, to say, you know, well, we've got this quiet area for that or or anything so the library is just the library so there are book clubs and there are on Wednesday afternoon the whole school runs on us no the, the lower two years run on a slightly different 
timetable, which we call action, which is various different activities, one of which is a graphic novel uh, club. And that runs in the library because it's during a timetable period. So the rest of the school are on lessons or they're off doing sports or whatever it is. And that group of people are in the library. But otherwise, we um, tend to run our book clubs. We throw kids out for classroom and we um, so we're expanding the library. Expanding out from yes. the library. Yes. Yes. Always outwards. Yeah. I need more Laban's round. <laughs> <laughs> this is the library space today and it's your sixth yeah, common room. Yes. <laughs> so Claire and Peter, do you have extracurricular activities going on? Lots. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was one of my um, passions really to, to hit the ground running, but also to make what was happening within the library space as diverse as possible. So we have our LGBTQ plus meeting on a Monday. Uh, we have um, our understanding religion on a Tuesday with a different member of staff. So again, um, and the LGBTQ plus is uh, ran by a student, a sixth former. So they have the autonomy to discuss everything uh, whilst I'm in, in the room basically. Uh, we have my Carnegie Shadow Group that I run on a Monday. We have uh, so we can facilitate quite a few activities. So on a Thursday, I have Warhammer on these two tables. Uh, we have uh, Library Ambassador Club on the centre tables, and then I might have independent study uh, on the top area of the space. And it's just worked. It's worked beautifully. So, and, so do you find? Uh, do you do you find if that Peter comes in to do a bit of Warhammer? <laughs> well, I'm thinking that because I, I do think it's important for heads to be involved in, in uh, co-curricular. So I actually take the cross-country club. So I'm thinking maybe I should bring my cross-country club in there. Of course. Absolutely. Some hill wraps on the stairs. Yeah, yeah. Again, Mr Lane wouldn't forgive me if I didn't name drop. Uh, Mr Lane most definitely came in to Warhammer and, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't even know how you play Warhammer. I don't think he did, not he? Yeah, he did. No, he did. He did, definitely. So, yeah, again, it's that visibility and having sport and stuff. It is, absolutely. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah, Ruth, did you have your hand up? Did you want to come back in? I did, but actually it's a, a boring technical librarian question that I will bother Claire with when we get in okay. touch later. Sorry. <laughs> no problem. Um, questions are boring. boring. No questions are boring when it comes to librarians. <laughs> no. Have you got something to say, Joe? Yeah, I think um, I think uh, one of the highlights for, for the year is, um, is World Book Week, um, where the whole school uh, dresses up and it's as popular with our year sevens as it is with year 13s. Yeah. And really it's about just promoting, you know, we, <laughs> some fantastic research skills that go on, but I think reading for pleasure and just taking that sheer delight in whatever you, know, you enjoy reading, coming to school, dressing up, and, and just being part of bringing our whole school community, I think is, is, is something that has been going on for, for a number of years. And actually now is just that's that's it is in the calendar every year um and i think is a, is a real highlight and it's about just maintaining that excitement for for reading for pleasure uh, and just celebrating that and being proud that you enjoy reading whatever style or genre um that, that that you do and i think that's a nice thing that that 
that Ruth championed, you know, with within the school. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so let's move on to how does the school benefit from having a supported library? Um, I'm thinking more like we've talked a little bit about curriculum, haven't we? Um, and obviously, the school does benefit from that. Your students benefit from that. You know, we're talking the usual link is literacy. Is there a is there a, a benefit beyond literacy that you can think of that your students benefit from having a supported library? Can I ask Peter that one? Yeah, I know absolutely. Um, you know, Ruth mentioned earlier about in many schools the line manager would be the head of English, um, um, and I think that's probably steers libraries in the wrong direction in a way and into that misperception that libraries are all about just reading and, and literacy um you know it, if libraries are going to be successful and meaningful within a school they have to be about all areas of, of school life uh and, and not just the academic area and i think one of the things i really like about this space is it's um parallel to our school chapel um it's almost the exact same footprint um, and, I, and I like the fact that this is a kind of sanctuary within the school. It's got a different feel to anywhere else in the school. So I, I feel the library here serves a, another purpose in terms of being a space that um, has a different energy, um, um, is attractive to, to pupils that might not be quite as comfortable sort of, you know, kicking a ball around in break time or place you know if it, before we had this when we were going around and just seeing some kids sort of just in sort of random places around the school either with a book or just sort of on their own a little bit and they, they found a home uh, and a sanctuary um in, in this in this space and so for me actually there'll be if there are kids that come in here and they never take a book out but this is a part of their school experience and and is part of what makes them happy here, um, then that's totally fine with me. Um, I think I think the books are a big part of the story, but they're not the entire story. Um, School libraries are just so much more than a place to house books, aren't they? They're, it's almost sometimes it feels like a wellbeing centre, you know. I have lost count of how many times a student or even a member of staff, to be honest, will pull up one of these comfy chairs and just have a chat with me with regards to, to possibly reading or other bits and bobs. So it's as a school librarian, it's heavy on pastoral, you know, you you never know what's going to come through the door. You can it can be as diverse as helping a sixth former with something that they're studious about and, and, you know, academically, but then you can have, oh, this is just happened men, so let me tell you all about this, um, you know, so you have to be, you have to swap hats constantly. And, and I think this, I mean, it's a beautiful, stunning library, and I'm, I consider myself very lucky and very honoured to be trusted with, with developing and taking this space on a journey, and there's lots to do. Um, but I do feel like we have provided for the for the masses, and you you just 
I, I want every child to know that they can come into the library and there's no judgment, you know, we're not tested on. Um, yeah, just a, a safe space. And that's what I've been told by lots of students already. Almost, this is great. This is, this is, you know, if you want Billy to be in the corner, tucked in the corner, reading his book and not disturbed. Uh, if you want somebody that's all arms and legs in front of you saying, Miss, this is very excitable, you, you know, you can have that in this space. So, yeah. One of the things, you know, all libraries are going to be different, going to have different emphasis. Yeah. It's got to be right for your particular yeah. um, school and, and that's what makes libraries exciting i think they are all completely different in terms of you know architecture space or feel or tone or atmosphere um and you know for for us you know we're a non-selective school we we've you know got a lot of pupils uh, with dyslexia um we've got a, a you know 30 different nationalities represented and yeah. Um, you know, place be great at sort of making this space accessible. You know, if you've got dyslexia, it shouldn't be a barrier to you coming in and enjoying the space. If English is your second language, it shouldn't be a barrier to coming in and getting something out of the space as well. So, I think if you've got a hundred librarians and library school libraries, they're all going to be quite different, and I think that's what. Um, uh, makes makes for an effective library if you're taking your context as you know as Ruth described in the particular school uh, that she and Joe are in um, and finding the, the the right emphases for that particular school cohort and what's important to that school culture and ethos uh, and their values and that's going to be really different from a school down the road um, yeah. uh, and that's why it's really interesting just for us hearing from lots of different librarians and lots of Different, different senior leaders about what works. Um, and some stuff's kind of transferable, you know, some of the stuff Joe was just talking there about, you, you know, the, the sort of storytelling home life, you know, we were just like, well, that's a good idea, that's, yeah. <laughs> um, but so there, there are things that are gonna work in lots of different settings. Um, and and um, I didn't really know much about the, the library world or particularly the librarian world, but, you know, you know, you guys have got a strong voice, you know, there's a big network and, and big profile, and there's a really exciting network of sharing of ideas and, and supporting one another, and that collaboration, uh, which, which is great, and it's what's going to make uh, libraries continue to be important through the 21st century. You know, we've had the launch of the Great School Libraries campaign, hugely important national movement there. And we've all got to get behind that and, and others have got to get behind that about being really clear in articulating why libraries remain important um, and life-changing uh, for, for youngsters. Absolutely, absolutely. Ruth, can I bring you back in? Yeah. Uh, you've got, you've muted again, Ruth. Sorry, sorry. Um, one of the things that I think I would say to uh, another head teacher or external body is go and speak to local schools, go and find successful libraries and successful schools, because it's exactly, I mean, it's entirely right that we are so different. You know, I know librarians at, you know, almost all the other local schools, state and independent, and we all run very, very different libraries 
we are all passionate about what we do. And I think there are two keys. You need a librarian. You need somebody to drive that. You need somebody in the room who is that person who is keeping it moving forward, who's being there to hear the students sing and dance or cry or nothing or whatever it is. But you need to understand that from and how that effect, you need to see the effect that that has. It's not something I can tell you what it's going to do for your school. You need to see what it does for other schools and think about what works for yours. Absolutely. Can I can I just say um, connecting um, with with our young people is interesting to hear about talking about having a safe space and and I think there's there's it's it's one of those great connectors in terms of I may not have taught the child or know the know the child or first time I come off but actually they've got a book in their hand and actually that starts a conversation and I think it's about connecting our school community and um, it's great to hear what they're interested in in reading or what the books are out and would they recommend it and from that you just get that greater sense of community that I think schools should be about and and I think reading has been has been a way in to do that in terms of getting everybody talking absolutely right I'm just going to take this opportunity to promote my membership to any schools looking for ways to support collaboration between the teacher and the librarian primarily in helping to boost independent learning literacy and well-being through your school library if you're not sure how to make this happen my membership program offers training and support for school librarians and teachers and creates opportunities to engage across the whole curriculum. You can find out more in the link in the show notes below. So we're on to our final question. And this really is to Joe and Peter primarily. How can schools without school libraries be persuaded that they are essential? What are we, what can we do? You know, there are many, many schools out there that that don't have and and Budget is the biggest one, but I personally believe that that isn't enough, that actually if something is really important, budget does get found. So how can how can other senior leaders persuade? Now, I know, Peter, you're talking from a private school perspective. Joe isn't. But you've both managed to find the money and make this happen. So what would you say to a school that doesn't have a school library? Peter, let's start with you. You need one, uh, first of all. <laughs> um, and you know, you're right, it, it, it is going to be an investment one way or another, whether that's in terms of, of books, whether in terms of staffing, um, but it is, it is one of the, the great investments. Um, and, and I think, you know, as educators, we have a duty to place at our, at the heart of our you know, school, um, a library or wh- whatever you want to call it. Um, I think imagination um, uh, is is important in all of this. But you know, budget's one thing, um, but there's plenty of examples of schools that have created really exciting and vibrant and dynamic spaces on a shoestring, really. Um, so I think if there's ambition, if there's an imag- imagination and a fervent belief in what libraries can do, um, then, then you know, these things are, are, are possible. We've already talked about getting into to libraries. I think we have a responsibility um, to be advocating 
um, and, and being part of the voice. It can't just be librarians um, sort of almost um, sort of uh, sort of protecting their jobs by, by um, banging that drum. You know, we have to be doing that um, uh, as well. Um, uh, and, you know, I think engaging, it's interesting because I think both of our schools, the, the parent body have been quite an important um, player within it because they value and have valued libraries in their own childhood and in their own education. Um, and in the same way that it's happened at Joe's school, you know, our parents wanted to be involved in helping create this stock of books. Uh, and we really didn't have to um, push particularly hard for, for them to say, look, how, what can we do to help? So, you know, where there's going to be budgetary constraints, perhaps, then I think it's looking at other ways um, of, of, of doing that. Um, and certainly kind of mobilising your parent body is, is one way of successfully doing it. Absolutely. Thank you. Joe, can I ask you that same question? How can how can libraries, their schools, be persuaded that their libraries are essential? I, I don't think they it can afford not to. I mean, in, if you look at reading, it, it's the gift that keeps giving across the, the whole curriculum. And I think our our role as, as educators is to is is to prepare our students for the world going into. And I think literacy is just such a key part of that. Um, that it's going to benefit learning across subjects, being able to access. Uh, courses, qualifications, and to go on and lead a, a, a more fulfilling life. I think it's essential key skill that, that all young people need to have. And I think probably the reading for pleasure, which which we accentuated first, was, was really about young people. It doesn't matter what you read, you just need to read. And it's about accessing books and finding those. And actually you need a librarian who's going to, um, you know, talk to young people find out what motivates them what interests them and actually take it from there so i think the the, the reading for pleasure i think and, and literacy across the curriculum for, for is is just essential and and just got to find got to find the money um whether it's through fundraising or whether it's through looking at other ways that, that you can work um we now have a reading lesson for our year seven so lots of primary schools will have reading schemes. You know, it will be part of the primary experience. Um, we now, within our curriculum, have a reading lesson for year seven. So that continued. They get used to the library. They feel comfortable with it and they can keep on going. So there's some um, some some interesting, interesting ways of actually just using your, your existing budget or curriculum time in a slightly different way. And I think that's that's really good. And then probably my final point is, is again, um, I'm all about hearts and minds. There, there are probably lots of stats, you know, that schools can look at the benefits of being able to read. But I think it is about the research and it's about information literacy. And I think for our role to prepare young people to go and, and access society and be um, happy and successful and to lead fulfilling lives, they need to understand the world in which they live. And then the way they can do that is actually if they understand the information they're presented with. So reading for pleasure, information literacy, research skills, they're just core things that, that, that our young people need. It's, it's as essential as anything else, I think, in school. Fantastic. What a wonderful way to finish. 
Um, thank you for joining me tonight, Peter, Claire, Ruth and Joe. It's been fascinating to talk to you about your school libraries and the journeys that you are currently on. I hope we've given those listening some inspiration to work more closely with their school librarian or if a school doesn't have a library, to look at ways to start creating one. Any tools we talked about tonight will be in the show notes below. And as always, if you'd like to comment on anything you've heard this evening, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Don't forget to to subscribe to my podcast so you don't miss out on future discussions. Thank you for listening and good night.